0: Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Did you hear about the World Cup? Congratulations to Spain. This is weak gold news, but the news that doesn't seem to be going away is that kiss of congratulations that happened at the World Cup with Spanish player Jennifer Hermosa finding some boundaries more than crossed by the president of the Spanish Soccer Federation. You're probably hearing about this in the news. It sparked protests in many areas everything from the me too movement to calling for the president's resignation a lot of layers to this we'll talk about that a little later on the show i would like to hear thoughts on this was it excusable because people were wrapped up in the excitement of the moment is it inexcusable is it a huge overreach and outright abuse i'd like to hear your thoughts and also i'm also curious to hear why you think that this has become such a story in the media in comparison to many of the things that we see happening in Hollywood, just in general, what are your thoughts on this? We'll discuss it later. The number's 888 914 9149. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Joining me today is Kim Zembar. Now, she wrote a book called Restless Hearts, chronicling her story. She was once a married lesbian and she's always been Catholic, but she's living her Catholic faith in chastely. She has an incredible story. She's joined us here on Trending before to chronicle in a full-length, a really unpacking of her story. It's a fantastic, fantastic testimony, and I'm excited to unpack it and also look at some of the elements of the conversation surrounding friendships and relationships and that discomfort we have in relationships today because of the fear over the LGBTQ movement or over this idea of needing to explore every relationship in a sexual way just because it's a close relationship. So, joining me to discuss that today on Trending is Kim Zember. Kim, welcome back to Trending.
1: Hey, so good to be back.
0: Let's unpack for those who aren't aware of it. I love to share some of your story as it has played out over the years.
1: Yeah. So um, as you had mentioned, I did write a book that has all the details um, of kind of just the journey. Um, and it's a journey, of course, that continues, as you said, just even in these last few years. But uh, just a kind of a quick recap for maybe those who don't know or haven't heard um, my story out of the homosexual lifestyle. Um, You know, I grew up Catholic and grew up really knowing God, but I would say I didn't have a relationship. And if 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 I if somebody when I was younger would have asked me, you know, who is God to you? I kind of would have said he was maybe more of a cop, um, more of a judge than a father. Hmm. Yeah. And so um, just kind of having that mindset, I just wanted to like not upset him or just please him. Right. And so that's kind of how I gauged my, my relationship with him was if I'm making him happy or if I'm kind of you know, upsetting him. And so, um, yeah, it wasn't until like kind of my, you know, the years maybe in junior high where I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm not kind of like the rest of the girls. Cause they all started having crushes on the boys and these different, you know, things that were coming up. And I always saw boys kind of as like brothers. Cause I had two older brothers and, you know, so for me, I didn't have any sisters. And so I always had a draw to the women. Now, I don't know why. Um, I just know that I, wanted to be around the girls more than I wanted to be around the boys. Um, And when I was with the boys, I saw them, like I said, as brothers. So I didn't have that same kind of like crush thing going on um, with the guys in my class and whatnot. And I can kind of tie that back to a few things um, and we can maybe unpack some of this later, but just to give an overview. um, Ended up, ended up um, in high school acting on the desire that I had. Now I want to note this. Um, I was kind of, a. wasn't afraid of men, but I had in my mind, my dad um, gave me a quote unquote sex talk when I was young and it was something along the lines of kind of stay away from men. They want one thing from you and that's sex. They're like dogs in heat. And so I have a feeling that that had a pretty, um, I I do believe he shared that with me um, to kind of protect his only Mm -hmm. daughter, you know? Right but our words have massive impact. And I'm, I'm not blaming that, but I do believe there was an effect because here my father, someone I trust, a man, right, uh, is telling me not to trust men in that way. And so I believe that that seed was pretty deeply planted. Um, so even in high school, I just didn't trust. And then you're in high school, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how faithful a lot of the guys are. And so for me, it just kind of resealed in the truth that I was believing that men couldn't be trusted and they just wanted basically sex from me. And so I pulled away firsthand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And even the first guy that I started dating was like, he kind of went right for that. So I'm like, oh my gosh, my dad was right, you know, run. And exactly. And so I pulled back from relationships with guys. But the problem is just pulling away from relationships with men doesn't fill the void of a desire for companionship right? And relationship. And so I tried to fill that with just friendships, um, between guys and, and girls, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same as to have someone that you could really kind of share everything with and, and really kind of be your person. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was my senior year in high school, uh, that I decided I looked, took a look around me and I was like, okay, all my friends are drinking, doing drugs. Uh, one of them was pregnant. And so I'm like, is it really that big of a deal if I kiss a girl, right? Like, it's not it, it. As crazy as it might sound, it felt safer than to be to be to kiss a girl, my friend, than to engage with a guy, which totally twisted, right? I mean, sexual sin, sexual sin, right? But, but I see
0: where your mind was going, especially in high school, yeah. with everything that was going on. The comparison, there was a big chasm between the two for you,
1: for sure, for sure. So I'm thinking, okay, it's not sex. And I'm, I'm sorry, maybe, you know, younger listeners, let's earmuff um, for the parents. But um, you know, it wasn't, I was just, I wanted closeness and I wanted intimacy, but I didn't need sex. And so for me, I'm like, is that really a big deal if I have something special with my best friend, right? One of my best friends. Um, and it seemed to be mutual. And so it was my senior year when I decided I was going to act on this desire that I didn't fully understand towards women and I'm telling you Timory, from that moment on everything for me changed because now I experienced an intimacy a closeness a friendship a companionship with a woman that I felt safe in as strange as that may sound for people I felt safer in that than with men and Mm -hmm. and it felt more comfortable it it Mm -hmm. felt to me more natural even Mm -hmm. though even though I knew it was not God's way and it right. wasn't his natural design. We can know something, right? We can know something's not good for us, but still enjoy it or it feel right. good right. to us. And so that's where I was experiencing. And and that went on for years. I hid, I did not share it with anyone. My family asked questions. I I just hid it. I was like, because really, I was like, if I share this with anyone, I'm going to, I had a pre conceived idea that they were already going to just tell me, hey, it's sinful. Mm. It's wrong. Don't do it. Right. And And
0: just to speak to what you're sharing, though, because you're right, a lot of people would object right away. Maybe today, a little later on in the 21st century, people might approve it right away, depending on who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. But something that's interesting to me when you're sharing, okay, here you experienced this first kiss in high school, For you, it was within the context of an established friendship, so there's Mm -hmm. a level of comfort you had. You thought, "Wow, this chasm's huge between my friends who are already very sexually promiscuous, Mm -hmm. doing drugs." But there's something novel that occurs when you do something new, especially an out of boundary experience. That you know, like you said, there was kind of this written on your heart response, knowing this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, but I can still enjoy it. And the intensity of that novelty even is even more so when you know it's an out of bounds experience that you weren't really. Mm -hmm. both to engage in.
1: Absolutely. Um, It was actually St. Augustine who said that. I think his was stealing a peach. (laughs) A little different, right? But he had the thrill of just stealing, right? There was something of doing something that wasn't even right, you know, that that was somewhat thrilling. But so on that level, yes. And then on the level of my desire was being met. I had a desire for companionship and it was now being Mm. met. In a way that felt safe that I wasn't going to get pregnant, that I wasn't going to be in sexual sin, you know what I mean? Even though Mm -hmm. I was, was, right? Um, It was, it just, it, but again, I was categorizing sin. uh, The way I was seeing things was if I could just stay under the radar of what my friends are doing, then not that big of a deal, right? Like just don't sin as much as everybody around you and you're fine. And that is just so not the gospel. That is so not any type of healthy, good relationship. Uh, But that's just kind of where I was at. And I didn't feel, the word safe might sound a little strange to people, but I didn't feel safe with my emotions to just Mm -hmm. like open up and share what I was dealing with. I felt like I was just going to be corrected or redirected Mm -hmm. instead of just kind of like for someone to, as like scripture says, uh, says, to bear with one another their burdens I didn't feel like I had anyone around me that would just kind of like hold me and say like, Mm. gosh, I can't imagine how it feels like, do you want to share And You know what I mean? And and not just come and like kind of tell me the right thing to do, even though that's Mm. a good thing to do. I, I just didn't really feel like I could express a lot of what was going on. And, You're and maybe afraid that I you wouldn't have
0: empathy from someone. There was a fear yes. of lack of empathy, but also that natural sense of shame that was there as well, of kind of yep. wanting to conceal what was going on. I know Pope St. John Paul II, we're unpacking his Theology of the Body in a series here on Trending. He talks a lot about shame as this boundary experience mm-hmm. that we didn't have it prior to the fall, but now it's one of those boundary experiences that helps us to know the boundary in Yet today's culture says to ignore it or to point, as Pope St. John Paul II said, and I think this is fascinating, Kim, I was just unpacking this earlier this week. Pope St. John Paul II says that when Adam and Eve first experienced shame in the garden, instead of pointing to the source of the shame, they point Mm -hmm. to the reaction to the shame, which was fear of being seen naked in the garden. By God, they were afraid, rather than the actual problem occurring. So, our fear can turn, like you said, into this emotional discomfort. And I find it fascinating that you said you weren't emotionally ready to... Really, kind of engage with this topic with other people and share.
1: Yeah, not at all. And I mean, shame was a huge. It it was part of what built a prison around me, or what I allowed Mm. to, I should say. It's it's Mm. not a blame situation. I mean, I made decisions. Now, I didn't have any sexual abuse that I experienced or anything. So for me, like even in high school, I'm like, why do I have these desires? You know, it it didn't make Mm. sense. And so I would pray for God to take them away Mm. all the time or change them. But they didn't go. So to me, it was like, okay, so what do I do, you know? I mean, especially when I would growing up, it's not good for man to be alone. Okay, so as a high schooler, I need to start thinking about being a nun. You know, like wow, that's <laughs> really enjoyable. You know, like so a lot How of do different just kind suppress of suppress it, <laughs> yeah. Which is a horrible, like a horrible route to take. Right, but again, if right. if you don't feel based by shame by your own actions, right, and then also maybe just feeling like the people around you are going to just instantly try to fix you or change it or help you to make better decisions, but maybe not like feel things mm-hmm. with you, um, it's it tends to be difficult too.
0: Mm. So that was carried for you from high school. That was that first experience that you said was that catalyst. When you first engaged Mm -hmm. with your friend with that kiss to you, it wasn't that big big of a deal per se in respect to what was going on with your peers. I think that's significant because a lot of young people are saying, hey, I don't like the sexual culture I'm in. I think this is why a lot of Mm -hmm. young girls identify as boys today. They don't want to be looked at perpetually as hot and available and Mm -hmm. be expected to perform. So, it's safer to say and dress as if you're a boy, especially if you're uncomfortable with your puberty, with your development, and you don't have that right affirmation. Like, your story makes sense even in the I think, bigger picture of the gender crises today. If you're joining Mm -hmm. me, you're listening to Kim Zembar. She was once, uh, if you want to put a label on it, a married lesbian. She has been Catholic and now lives her Catholic faith and lives chastely. It's an incredible story, Kim. Let's walk past what happened initially in high school. Unpack the rest of your story for us.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, I hid for years um, in that lifestyle. I would date guys on the forefront for everybody to see, well, behind the scenes, I was dating people that I actually really wanted to, and that was women. And it was always one single person, woman at a time. It was not, I wasn't just running around, hooking up with people. Um, I really did want a partner in life. And so for me, it, a lot happened. And like I said, I wrote a book that that unpacks everything. Um, and just for time's sake, so we can get into a lot more. Um, I just hid, I hid, um, I did hire a Catholic counselor on my own, without my family even knowing. Um, and I also went to a Catholic priest and was talking with them about what I was going through and unfortunately felt like I was more affirmed in a gay identity um, mm-hmm. and kind of supported in, well, you know, God loves you just how you are. And if you're monogamous and and all these things that did not align with scripture and didn't align with what I even knew to be true in my heart. It says that God has now written yes. his laws on our heart, right? Mm-hmm. And so I knew, and being raised in a Catholic upbringing, right, I knew that what I was being told, I wanted to hear it, but it didn't resonate as true. And it, and I lived that way, you know, I ended up, so I want to be clear too, because some, sometimes people use this phrase, you know, once married lesbian, I was never in a union with a woman. I actually yes. um, married a man. And I was never honest and I never was honest with myself about the desires I have. And I have many people who reach out to me um, and say, hey, you know, I have same sex attraction, but I, you know, am actually going to be getting married to a person of the opposite sex. And I believe it'll Mm -hmm. just go away. I'm like, oh, my gosh, please. No, no, -hmm. no, no. Now, I'm not saying don't pursue marriage, but can you please be honest and transparent with your desires? It doesn't mean act on them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But but walk with people that walk in in the truth and love of Christ that can help you through this before, because marriage is not a solution to somebody who struggles with same-sex attraction. Kim, because I'm so gotta- glad you
0: mentioned that because I think that's a key because a lot of people try to hide it whether they say, okay, yes. I'll pray it away or I'll, yeah. which is great, pray, but if you need Amen. concrete help, get it. Uh, get it. Or maybe they maybe dive into seminary or religious right. life or into a marriage like you did with a man yeah. yet mm-hmm. still experiencing these attractions and some of the mess that occurred uh, within Uh-oh. that relationship. I think that's significant for you to mention because people still need to be uh, be uh, able to have help and resources and conversation and guidance. And that's what our Catholic faith is about, freedom, yeah. but answering the call to virtue,
1: right? Amen. Amen. And, and I think that's where we can sometimes, I think sometimes even in church circle, we can kind of get the opposite of homosexuality is heterosexuality. Um, the opposite of any sin is holiness, right and so Amen. our our desires right any disordered desire that i have the opposite of that is going to be the right order and that doesn't mean that now in order to be fully holy um i need to be married to a man no it's it's there's a level of healing mm-hmm. that's needed and maybe if the lord has that but there's other beautiful calls and vocations you know um that that god has laid before us and so really what this to me gets back to though is a relationship with Jesus. And mm-hmm. he ultimately is the one that is, wants to be the desire of our heart. Um, even if you, you know, have heterosexual desires, it's still about Jesus. And so, um, but for me, so yeah, I ended up getting married. Um, and I did to Maria, I said, I, God, I promise you, I will never cheat on this man with mm-hmm. a with a woman. And it lasted about a year and Mm -hmm. I ended up being unfaithful and it was with a woman. And um, there's just so much involved in that. And I don't support that. I don't um, celebrate that in the decisions that I made, Um, but I share that so that hopefully people don't walk down the same path and just Mm -hmm. think, oh, I can just, I could just fight this. I'll just bury it. If I just don't act on it, it'll, it'll go away Um, because that's not usually the case. And so, um,
0: and it hurt you and it hurt your husband
1: Hurt everybody around me. Yep, mm-hmm. um, absolutely, and myself included. And um, so, yeah. So it wasn't until, and then I, you know, once I had cheated on him, um, ended up through a lot of different things coming forth and and just being honest. Um, I felt like I just finally had to um, because it was going to make everything worse if I didn't. Um, and so, ended up living and I got a divorce. Um, ended up getting an annulment because they saw the marriage as invalid. And that wasn't fair for him to not be able to remarry if that was where the Lord was going um, for his life. And because I was dishonest through the marriage um, with my struggles. And so in that, I ended up diving into the LGBT lifestyle. I dated women outwardly, openly stopped lying, stopped cheating. And I'm telling you, girl, I had no peace. You know, Mm -hmm. the world said and counselors said, it's just the lying, the cheating, it's all this. If you just be you, watch, you'll find freedom. And I didn't believe that, but I'm like, I want that. So I'll try it. And I'm telling you, I was no better off. I was no Mm -hmm. better off. It wasn't until October 17th, 2014 that I said, God, I am done playing your role. I'm done being Lord over my own life. I surrender. I said, you need Mm -hmm. to show me that you are better at being God than I am because I am hurting everybody everybody in my life that I love, myself included. And so please show me what you have for me in this life. And I'm telling you, since that day, it has been a journey, but he has proved himself faithful. He has just showed his own character, his nature. And I'm telling you, it is the most attractive thing I've ever, ever experienced in my life. That is why. I am not dating women. That is why I'm no longer in the lifestyle. Not because I can't be, not because I'm afraid of hell. Hell is real. <laughs> um, but it's not because of a fear. It's because I've found a greater love and his love for me. He's taught me and continuing to teach me about my identity, about healthy, holy relationships, about things even that I was lacking when I was younger, that that um, as, as crazy as it might sound, he's even healing things from my childhood. So Um, It's been a journey and it will continue to be, but I am so thankful for his goodness.
0: Kim, it's so wonderful to hear you sharing your story because it's been a few years now since your book came out where you chronicle your story in Restless Hearts. And just to see how that has unfolded and your growth and your peace, your sense of peace, it's so profound. And I love that you mentioned you found a greater love mm-hmm. than this pool of sin in our lives. And you said just a few moments ago, and I thought it was so powerful, I wrote it down, the opposite of any sin is holiness. And mm-hmm. one of the challenges I have, and we'll talk about this unravel it a little bit more later, is a lot of people today who are living as they like to label themselves a single life or who really want to be married, I always say stop labeling yourself as single because it sounds like there's a depravity, like there's something missing. Mm -hmm. And I get it. There can be a real pain if you are single and you want to be married. But when you label yourself as such, it is almost, again, identifying yourself as if something is missing. Yet God creates us for many and various different vocations and lifestyles. And as you said, marriage could be something that's on the books for you one day, Mm -hmm. but your goal is to embrace holiness, and I want to come back talking to you a little bit about the work you're doing now. I know you do a lot of work in Africa uh, with children who need a faith and are in impoverished circumstances, and we'll share a little bit about how people can support that work, but I want to talk a little bit about the challenge surrounding friendship today and how the same-sex lifestyle, the LGBTQ ideologies overly influencing friendships today. That's Kim Zembar. She has an incredible story unpacking her journey of having lived a lesbian, same-sex lifestyle, and now living chastely her Catholic faith. You can check out her work, her book, everything's available at Unforgotten Faces. Or sorry, that's your other website, but overcomein.com. That's overcome in. IN.com and Unforgotten Faces is your charitable work, which we'll talk a little bit about in just a moment with Kim Zumbar here on Trending. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Kim Zembers joining me today on Trending. She has an incredible story of having lived a lesbian lifestyle from her childhood. She's been Catholic. She came into her Catholic faith even more so and she asked God, please just help me. I'm done. I'm done with this lifestyle and we're unpack we're diving into her story she shared much of her story chronicling from high school into her adult life being in a marriage while still at the same time experiencing same-sex attraction and cheating on her husband it's a profound story and that we see the need to talk about this issue of same-sex attraction and address underlying disorders that may be experienced. is why the Catholic Church refers to same-sex attraction as a disorder because it's a disorientation of sexuality from how God intended it to be. And Kim, when I read your story and you really unravel much of it here on Trending, I just keep thinking how significant it is when people get offended by what the church teaches about it being intrinsically disordered. It's not the person is disordered, it's the attraction. And every person who experiences same sex attraction shares their ongoing uneasiness their prayer for this to just go away which is why i want to dive into i think if you keep areas of this whole debate over same sex relationships today and i think at the core of it kim is a lot to do with regard to friendship i remember years ago when i read your memoir that you mentioned how at a certain point you realized that part of your struggle wasn't so much lesbianism as it was this addiction this draw to people and you shared how important that need for a person and connection and intimacy is can you talk a little bit about that confusion that i think a lot of people pleasing people might have and it's hard when you're trying to find that balance of relationships that are healthy versus not while still wanting those relationships.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a natural part of how God created us. We are built for relationships. And so, as you had mentioned, when we have a disorder within our desires, it's a disordered desire. It's not a disordered person. I'm not a disordered person. I have disordered desires. And, and in that, I think it's important that we recognize it's not just people that have same-sex attraction, that Have a disordered desire. Yeah. Every single person has a disordered desire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every person. And yeah. they're like, well, not really. I'm like, if you don't think you have a disordered desire, <laughs> it's pride. So there we go. <laughs> Even the playing field. So in that, we and, and that's the beauty is we have a God of order who actually wants us to wants to love us into his right order, not just make us better. No, he wants to radically love us so that we are transformed and then we love like him right? And so we are made for relationships. So back into that, we're made for a relationship, but we're made for healthy, holy relationships, right? Love, the definition mm-hmm. of love is that it's actually willing the, the good of the other. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, it was, it was always hard because I felt like my whole life, I had like this desire of like codependency, which doesn't sound like a desire, but it was like, there was a deep need For a person. It wasn't just I wanted a person. It was like I need someone else to complete me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why so many of my relationships were unhealthy, is because I had this deep longing that I thought another person, whether it be male or female, friend or partner in life, but I thought that another person was supposed to actually fulfill in me. And by God's grace, I am learning that it's actually Him. It is Jesus himself that wants to fill that place and actually complete me. I mean, but we hear so often, Timmery, right? Like, how often do you hear people say, oh, my gosh, my husband or my wife, you know, they complete me. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, like, Something's going to go wrong
0: if that's the case.
1: Yeah, and so I think that is where sometimes we're not looking at God first. We're looking to people first. Mm. And it was so crazy. I was reading through the Old Testament this morning, and I'm like, I'm so them, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we constantly are building up these new idols, right? And mm-hmm. and I think that's what was happening is like when we put a friend or a partner or a husband or a wife in place of where God wants to be, there's gonna be something very off intrinsically. And so I think that's what we're starting to see in the world is like, we're going to each other instead of to God. And when we go to God first, now our relationships, we're not going to see this codependency that we're seeing in the world. It's like, we really are rooted and grounded in God. And then now we can actually, the love we receive from him, we can give out to those around us. And it's not so much now about taking from one another. It's actually about what we can give to one another Mm -hmm. um, to further and better their life as well. So, I mean he's really just flipping relationships upside down for me in a, in a really beautiful way but there's challenges in that as well so
0: taking this to that high school experience because there are a lot of kids right now who are exploring and parents don't mm. get it they write it off or they might hear about it and they say at a certain point okay if that's what you think you're doing just keep exploring it and your experience keeps making me think about how even as a young girl in high school maybe even younger i started praying for a spouse because there was this longing for my person just like you said mm. and we mistaken that for the idea of a spouse when mm-hmm. who we're really looking for to fulfill us, to give us peace, is God Himself. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you connect this to women, the whole struggle with same-sex attraction, particularly for women, is in part sentimentality, that draw toward people. And today, in that draw toward people, that over-romanticization of relationships, is that kind of desire, Kim, to test out the waters now. We are Mm -hmm. all in the area of experimentation. A lot of girls who are in friendships, I remember I had a friend who I went to school with a good Catholic university who said she started to explore every one of her female relationships and Mm -hmm. that if she has a strong friendship, she always wonders, well, could this be a romantic relationship? And she really starts to discern whether or not that could be a thing today. Why is this a step in the wrong direction, and how does someone pump the brakes? If that's a question they are starting to ask,
1: yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I think it's super relevant, not only for society today, but just human beings in general. You know, um, I would say get my book and see what exploring a friendship led to. Right, exploring an avenue that God, in His goodness, said, "Hey." don't explore this right just like the just like the garden are we going to trust that he is good that he is for us and that when he lays something forth it is for our good and for his glory in this world and so just like when he said to eve right like hey you can have anything just not that apple but what did she do she explored the apple she explored what god told her not to explore and he did that out of love for her but she didn't trust him she was deceived by Satan, right, that God really wasn't good. And so I know you might think I'm taking this off to a different route, but if we don't know the goodness of God, kind of like I said in the beginning Mm -hmm. when I was sharing my story, I saw God as more of a cop than a father. And so I just kind of fearfully trusted his ways, which he'll use that. I mean, thank God I'm not to that place now, but that's where I was. But if we begin to know him as father, right? God creator of all, but father who tenderly loves us, right? that And uh, with an unconditional love, he doesn't love you more when or less if. And if we really understand that and receive that, we're going to trust his ways. And then now when these things of exploration come up of, let me just explore what this friendship might be, see what I would go back to, because that, that temptation can still come to me. And then guess what? The goodness of God Comes back to my mind the goodness mm-hmm. of God and my experiences with God. Remember, Jesus says, "Taste and see that I'm not, uh, that I am good." He doesn't just say, "Hey, hear that I'm good." He says, "Taste and see." So, Timory, when I'm tempted to explore things, guess what? Up comes the memory. I'm like, "Wait a minute! God has been good. He is mm-hmm. faithful. I've experienced Him, and so now my experience with God gets to gets to knock down." This temptation. Mm -hmm. So my concern is that we're trying to knock down temptations and explorations of different things when we actually haven't experienced God. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I get Mm -hmm. to I get to now hold up what is good to what now is trying to tell me what is good. And I get to discern and say, no, 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 no. That's not what God said. And even if I don't love it, I trust that He's good and i mm-hmm. trust that he is for me and not against me and that when you can say that from your heart not just from a knowing in your mind i'm telling you your life your life begins mm-hmm. to shift so for those who are struggling with that like i don't know i i don't feel an attraction to the opposite sex and i really like my friend and so maybe i'll explore that avenue mm-hmm. i would just i would just challenge you in a really beautiful challenge by the way is can you explore the goodness of God first. Hmm. And I'm telling you, if somebody would have walked with me in doing that, I don't know if I would have went to all the other not so goods. Mm. That
0: is very profound, Kim because instead of just giving that no, which sometimes people aren't ready for, you can Mm -hmm. say it gently and say, how about this instead? And I think that's the challenge right now, is that there's a void that people are trying to meet with whatever disordered attraction, sin, that they are struggling with and battling, but they're filling the void with all the wrong things. And so then we say, okay, here are the right things to do, but we're not filling that void with the love of Christ, such as you're saying. And so that pull is still there. And I think Mm -hmm. filling that void is so significant with God. You're saying, instead of saying, hey, let's talk about this attraction, let's talk about something else. The sense of positive reinforcement that is so good, you know, when you're teaching your child, yet for some reason, as adults, we fail to practice that, and that positive reinforcement is God. Now, I love your story. I love what you're doing. I would love to briefly touch on, for those who might be interested in supporting your incredible work, you now do incredible missionary work and have for years in Ethiopia. You can learn more at unforgottenfaces.org. Can you mention just a little bit of what you're up to?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So it's been, we're coming up to year 17. um, And so um, I felt the call on my heart when I was 23 to help single moms and their children that fall below the poverty line um, and so, as maybe corny as it sounds, it it is just what we stand on, and it's that we want to help people to see that they they are capable. With the help of God and with one another, um, they can overcome whatever is challenging, right? Whatever is in front of them. So, kind of teaching people how to fish instead of just you know handing things out. And so, because um, we want to see people be self sustained, and I mean that tied to God, not just I can do everything in my own, you know, um, but but when they see who they are in Christ. And so, yeah, we, we work with um, single moms. We have over 450 children now that we serve. Um, it's wow. a fully Ethiopian run. And um, I do not take a salary. The only salaries are the Ethiopians in country. And so um, it's beautiful. And we, you know, especially now with different things happening in the world, we could use some support every penny Every penny that is donated goes directly to Unforgotten Faces, the work in Ethiopia without any administration costs. So um, I've worked really hard to make sure that it stays that way. Um, So the only costs are those in Ethiopia. So, yeah, for those who feel stirred, um, they can check out unforgottenfaces.org.
0: I love that. Again, that's unforgottenfaces.org. I'm posting it on social media. One thing that I want to touch before we let you go, Kim, is this topic of finding joy in your vocation. I find so many young women in particular are labeling themselves today as single and those prolonged single years unwanted, undesired, and there's this balance of trying to find joy in the midst of that. Now, your story, someone might say, well, okay, well, she experienced same-sex attraction. That's why she's single. But I don't think mm-hmm. it's as simple as that, and I hate no. it when people throw it in that direction. Can you speak to and really challenge if someone's single to not label themselves as single, to find joy in their own vocation just as you have?
1: Yeah. I mean, we got to remember to, Timmy. God calls us out of something to call us into something. Okay. So a lot of times we're focused on, he Love just that. wants to take this. And I'm like, no, he actually wants to give us himself, which is the greatest gift, especially when you experience him. And so for me, I don't see myself, people ask, so are you single? Are you, are you going to get married? I'm like, okay, I have a desire for for Jesus and whatever he desires for me, he's going to show me so long as I keep my eyes fixed upon him. So I've never liked labels. I never labeled myself as gay when I was in the lifestyle. I don't call myself an author, even though I've written a book. I don't call myself a speaker, though I share and speak. And um, and so for me, single to me, it it sounds like I'm in waiting. And to be honest, we are all in waiting. We do all have a bridegroom who is coming back (laughs) and his name is Jesus. And so when he comes, he's coming for a pure and spotless bride. And so for me, really, I guess the label I would put on myself um, is a, a lover of Jesus. I'm in a process, a life of sanctification. Um, and it's a joyful one. I mean, if you just focus, and, and St. Augustine said it, he said, our hearts are restless. And that's where I got the title of the book, Restless Heart. Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, O Lord. And so even if you are single, right? If that's whatever, wherever you're at, Jesus is calling for you. He wants to complete your heart. He wants to complete the desires you have. And and he, he will show you if that looks like marriage. But Paul is very clear in scripture that he said it is beautiful. It is a high calling to be single and have an undivided heart, to be able to actually deny marriage That is a beautiful thing. Marriage is a beautiful thing, but to deny marriage for the sake of the kingdom of God. And so to me, I don't see me not having a actual like husband in life being less than anyone else. Um, I see it as a great gift to be able to share the kingdom of God here on earth. So.
0: Kim, thank you for joining me today on Trending. Your work in Ethiopia is so wonderful seeing the work you're doing supporting single moms there. I want to put a plug for that website if you want to support it, unforgottenfaces.org. As you mentioned, every penny doesn't go at all toward any administrative costs, but to supporting the women there in Ethiopia. And if you want to learn more about Kim and her story, great resources on this topic of same-sex attraction, check out Overcome in.com that's overcome min.com and that's min at the end we're posting a link on social media that's a little confusing as well as in the episode notes for kim zember here on trending kim thank you for joining me and for your candidness and sharing your story our prayers are with you i'll be right back today on trending and we're going to talk about what happened at the world cup this week last week it still seems to be making news with that kiss from the president of the Spanish Soccer Federation to the player. Oof, we'll talk about it in a second. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Yesterday we were talking about the really difficult challenge that many women are facing to have children. Not just women, but couples, husbands and wives. Men struggle with that cross of infertility as well. And I wanted to touch on, if you missed it, we talked about what the church teaches about intrauterine insemination, also known as artificial insemination, and another treatment known as GIF. So if you have a question, check out yesterday's episode. I'm including a link on social media in the episode notes, but I keep hearing incredible stories of people who share the contrary to the seeming impossibility of being able to conceive children a person called in at the end of the show said that they knew someone who was struggling to have a baby and they sent them a couple of patron saints on the topic and encouraged them to start praying even in the face of seeming medical diagnosis of impossibility and these people this woman was able to have a child within a couple months she conceived praise god i received another email from someone who said i knew a lady who tried ivf with no luck after numerous attempts round after round which by the way is so damaging for a woman's body and for people's marriage the doctor said they had less than a half of a percent chance of getting pregnant naturally well this person sent A bunch of patron saints of maternity and fertility, as well as the Blessed Virgin Mary, over to this woman and told her to pray, asking for their help to get pregnant. She said that she would start doing that that specific night, and within three months, she found out that she was pregnant. This person said, prayer works. If you have a story such as this and you would like to share it, I hope you will. I think that I... I often turn to the reality of salvation history with the topic of fertility challenges and think that, my goodness, story after story of the Old Testament going into the New Testament has to do with miraculous pregnancies. Stories of people such as Aunt Hannah and others, even all the way up to Elizabeth, who were were led to believe they wouldn't have children had been labeled considered themselves and others considered them barren and then lo and behold miraculously even at times of seeming impossibility sarah in the old testament having a baby that with god all things are possible but understanding and understanding the goodness of the vocation that god calls us to, and as Kim Zumber was here just sharing her struggle with same-sex attraction, and when people might say, oh, well, you don't have a husband. How can you be happy? Yet she's living this incredibly virtuous Catholic chaste lifestyle. What I see and what she commented on at the end of her story, and I hope you'll go and listen to this episode where Kim gave her testimony, is that she specifically, she specifically said that when there's something that you don't have in your life, God fills it with something else. And sometimes God is calling us to a different mission, a different vision for our lives than we had intended. And if we will only follow him, it will be all the more fruitful and joyful. But that means having the humility to embrace those crosses and the joy to chase after the will of God in our lives. And Father Rocky just said, by the way, if you want a baby, don't say maybe. Go on the walk to Mary. The walk to Mary is something that happens every single year. We promote it here on Relevant Radio in the month of Mary in May. And we've known of people who wanted a baby, wanted a spouse. Even our own producer here, Maggie, was able to find a spouse and be married the very next year, actually, the day of the walk to Mary. So, those are the words of Father Rocky. If you're trying for a baby, you're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio let's talk about what the heck happened at the world cup last week the spanish team won and the player jennifer hermosa in the midst of the celebration ends up having a kiss planted right on her lips during the ceremony and i know this is maybe tmi and awkward for some people but it continues to make headlines and i am kind of wondering what your thoughts are and i'd love to hear if you want to reach out send me an email on social media was this excusable was it inexcusable so what happened this wasn't immediately after the game so some people are saying hey they were wrapped up in the excitement and the president of the spanish soccer federation grabs one of the players by the head pulls her in she's hugging him with her arms wrapped around his torso and he just plants one on her lips okay So here's the detail that I didn't know until today. This didn't happen immediately after the game when they won. It wasn't in the heat of the moment of everyone jumping up and down. And with a Spanish culture that is much more touchy-feely, hugging and kissing than others, this didn't just happen. But it did just happen later on at the ceremony where people receive their trophies, their awards for being the winning team of the World Cup. And so what happens is each and every single one of the players is in line. Slate reported on this. During the post-game medal ceremony, Slate says each Spanish player filed down a line of top soccer officials shaking hands and accepting medals. Then what happens is this young woman, Jennifer Hermosa, who's one of the soccer players who just won the World Cup, says that... Slate says that she came to Rubiales, just like all the other players, who was visibly brimming with joy, but what happened is when they embraced, he planted a rather passionate kiss, not just on her cheeks and necks, such as the other women, but right on her lips. Now, Jenny Hermosa said that this was uncomfortable and unwanted. Since then, the president of the Spanish Soccer Federation, who did this, released a public apology Now, what's happening is people are calling for her resignation. He's being told to step down, but he is refusing. Lo and behold, here goes the debate. I'm interested to see what people have to say. I know there are many and various opinions on this. I am someone who is a hugger not a kisser like that but a hugger and i even have those moments where i hug someone and i go oh they might have been uncomfortable it's just a normal form of greeting for me and it's something you have to think about my husband is lebanese a huge lebanese culture there is actually a really funny story about my father-in-law when he migrated to the united states that to him it was very normal to hug people but also in lebanon in the lebanese culture you kiss on both cheeks and so for him to do that with men who are his friends was normal but here in the united states that is sending the wrong message and that's the difference culturally that we have to realize and i think that's one of the elements here that people are trying to use as a defense for what happened but i just think this is inexcusable and i get why people are upset it wasn't just in the heat of the moment and the excitement next thing you know he did this and Maybe you could argue that this was him making his first move if he was interested in dating her. I think hands down, we could obviously say there was some level of attraction on the part of the Spanish Soccer Federation president. But at the end of the day, we live in a culture where overstepping boundaries is so normal. And how humiliating for this player, Jennifer Hermoso, instead of having her win... At the World Cup, being what's celebrated, she's making headline news for this. I imagine she's probably humiliated and embarrassed. It's an awkward topic. And I'm curious what your thoughts are because it is something that I think is a talking piece for conversation with, in particular, women of high school and college age having to do with boundaries and respect. Because I know that even though this was a huge celebration, this was a medal ceremony, there are certain levels of professionalism that we're called to have. And I think that sometimes we have a hard time finding what those boundaries are from a virtuous perspective of modesty. Modesty isn't just with regard to how we dress. It's with regard to how we carry our bodies, how we stand, what our posture is, the faces we make if we reveal too much or too little about ourselves. Now, I'm not accusing Jennifer Hermoso in any way of having done something and that she got what was coming to her. I think that's a horrible argument people make all the time about sexual abuse. What I am saying is that this is the opportunity for a conversation to talk about being careful in how we comport ourselves around other people. Because one of my thoughts when I saw this picture of the Spanish Soccer Federation president planting one right on the face of Jennifer Hermosa, one of the winners of the World Cup this past week, was she's embracing him. She's hugging him in a way that was very welcoming, a very frontal hug. And I remember a few years ago, well, I think I might have even been married or married not long before. When I learned about the A-frame hug, and I love talking about this because those who don't know what an A-frame hug is like I didn't know until really more recently, go, what? what's an A-frame hug? It's the whole butt out, shoulders forward, chest back idea that you're not making this embracing contact that is misleading or too much again, this idea of modesty, giving too much of yourself away. I think that, again, these conversations with women about A-frame hugs, putting your hand in a person's chest before having a hug that's too intimate, these are all great conversations to bring up in the midst of the roaring media and even protests having to do with the World Cup kiss that occurred with the player Jennifer Hermoso. This is Trending with Timory. Up next is the Family Rosary Across America. Dating, marriage, relationships, so many questions. This is Ray from Trending with Ray. Thursday is our weekly marriage hour, and we'll do anything and everything from taking your questions on dating, marriage, relationships, including experts in all areas of relationships to long-term marriage. We'll also dive into some of the most important topics confronting how to find true love today. So join me Thursday at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.